2: All right. So at the beginning of the month, it seemed like Jalen Brunson would be staying in Dallas, but too many connections, too much cap space in New York has led to the breakout point guard to agreeing to a four-year deal with Leon Rose and the New York Knicks. This is a breaking news edition of the Putback with Ian Begley here on our Sny Digital Platforms. I'm Chris Williamson, alongside our Sny NBA insider Ian Begley. We're also joined by two of the very best voices in Knickerbocker Land: CP, the franchise Knicks fan TV. We know how he gets down and. Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School, always giving us the real scoops. Now, let's get to Jalen Brunson. Ian, could you share with us what you know right now on the Knicks and Brunson?
3: Yeah, so he intends to sign with the Knicks um, shortly. I guess now we're at 6 o'clock, so shortly uh, after frequency starts, I would assume there, was, there were reports about meetings with the Heat and the Mavericks. And the Mavericks, uh, so she confirmed Knew that they were out shortly before six o'clock. So that clears the way for Brunson to be here. And this is, you know, the Knicks' uh, top free agency target, particularly after they couldn't get up to trade uh, for Jaden Ivey. And so the numbers are expected to be uh, four years around 105 to 110 million. I think it depends on the bonuses. I think it'll be fully guaranteed. And, And so the Knicks get their point guard. And you know what we what I've heard really all week is they don't see him as a, a savior in any way. They don't see him as as a franchise changer. And that's not a knock on Brunson. I think it's just they look at Brunson as a young player who really fits their young core and can kind of help propel them forward after a, a really bad season last year, 37 win season. So the hope is he can kind of solidify things. Uh, it's risky uh, because of all of the you know connections between the Knicks and Brunson, CAA, Leon Rose, Brunson, Rose being Brunson's former agent, Rick Brunson now being an assistant, on Tom Thibodeau's staff, Rick Brunson being Leon Rose's well, Leon Rose's first client. So a lot of connections there. To me, this is a, a big move for Leon Rose and his group. If it works, uh, everything looks great. Uh, if it doesn't work, we're going to be looking back at the summer of 2021 with more scrutiny because the Knicks had to get off of of salary of guys that they signed just last summer to make this work. So uh, intriguing move. This is what the Knicks wanted to do, and they will get it done.
2: But let, let's go back a little bit, and like we've been talking about Brunson uh, probably since January. So how exactly did we get to this point?
3: I think what happened here is Brunson's playoff run. I think it really you know changed his market in a big way. I know it did. And so I think that almost validated uh, what the Knicks wanted to do in terms of making him an offer that Dallas could not match. Once Brunson, you know, had the run in the playoffs that he did, helping Dallas get to the Western Conference Finals, you know, it was a way for, I think, the Knicks to justify really going, uh, being aggressive in what the offer that they wanted to make for Brunson, and then it was a, a matter of clearing salary, right? It was a matter of finding out how to get off of, Kemba Walker's salary, Alec Burks' salary, Nerlens Noel's salary. I think by and large, the Knicks did pretty well there in getting off of, of those salaries. But it's it's never good when you have to spend draft capital to get off of salary uh, contracts that were agreed to uh, not even 12 months prior. So that's why I think this is such a significant move for uh, the regime, for Leon Rose. But ultimately, I think Brunson's playoff run, ironically, help the Knicks out and help them justify kind of offering what they're going to offer in a way that Dallas could not match.
2: Yeah. like you say, you know, you never want to spend all that draft capital, you know, or the salaries that, you know, you thought were going to work last year with Kimba and all them. Um, But you got to give Leon Rose and the front office credit for how dedicated they were. They wanted their guy and they got him. So CP, uh, and then I'll go to Jonathan. How would you characterize this move for the franchise?
1: Well, I think it certainly addresses a need. You know, we haven't addressed the point guard situation in, in ten years. We're in 2022. Raymond Felton was arguably the the last good point guard that we had on this team. You know, this is an offense that was ranked 22nd in the league, 29th in pace. They're always hovering around last in pace. We needed somebody that can get the offense in order, and not just that, a guy that can play off of Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, two guys that are going to have the ball in their hands a lot in this offense, and then a guy that. You know, as a, as a tertiary playmaker, as a guy who can go out there and get his own shot late in the shot clock, there's, those are things that you got to like about Jalen Brunson, his ability to get to the rim, to get to the basket and finish drawing contact as well. And listen, certainly the, the playoff performance really boosted his stock, as Ian said. And there's a risk there based on such a small sample size. But at the end of the day, it's something that we needed to address. You know, we, we had Fred Van Fleet in our window two years ago. They passed. He had Lonzo Ball last year. They passed. They had to address the, the, the position. It's a big risk, big gamble. As Ian said to, to open the show, it, it's getting chummy there with CAA. You know, his father's there as the, as the assistant coach. He's under Tom Thibodeau. He's got Leon Rose. I question how they, you know, try to hold this guy accountable when they need to. But for now, again, it's going to address that need.
2: John, how do you feel about this overall move? I know some Knicks fans may feel like, oh, it's overpay. You know, Ian talked about the numbers, you know, 105, 110. I was thinking it might, you know, shave out to be 27.5 if it's 110, you know, for each year if it's split down uh, equally. But are you excited, you know, about this move that the Knicks have made to address the point guard need?
4: I'm excited that they made the move to address their point guard need. I am more excited that finally someone said, I want to be a Nick and a real, a real guy. And a guy that's not leaving the magic or the Pistons or the, you know, pick some other, he's leaving the team that just made it to the Western conference finals. And he's leaving playing alongside and arguably the wingman. You know, I think he's the second best player on that team. I don't even think that that was arguable. If you watch the playoffs, um maybe the best player in the league look this is going to be discussed in the context of the relationships that got jalen brunson here as it should but you know what the person who gets rich from insider trading doesn't complaining about doesn't complain about getting rich um now they need to go out and prove it with a guy that they don't have the inside information on at a later point in time and that's why like the first question you asked me am i excited I guess I'm excited, but no, none of us are sitting here under the illusions that the Knicks are going to be competing for, um, home, for home court in the playoffs next year, let alone a championship. That, they're not there yet. But the days of thinking that the Knicks are holier than now because they're the Knicks and they play in Madison Square Garden, those days are done. You have to take step one if you're this franchise. And I think this, in a lot of ways, for this regime, it took two and a half years, to be fair. It's a long time. I think this represents step one.
2: Yeah. It, there's so many more steps that need to be addressed before we can even, you know, begin to imagine, you know, this team being a, a championship contender. Uh, and you brought up the postseason play that, that Brunson had, you know, first three games in the first round. Luka Doncic missed and Brunson had 24 points game one, 41 game two, 31 in game three. Uh, but Ian, when you look at this move, what does it mean for the rest of these guys who are point guards on the roster? We're talking Derrick Rose, Mayo Quickly and Miles McBride. Yeah, it's
3: interesting. Uh, I think particularly for quickly, because, you know, I know a lot of fans who love quickly were wanting to see him take that next step as a point guard. I'm not sure that internally, uh, the Knicks uh, were completely sold on the idea that quickly is a a point guard. is a traditional point guard. Like he's, he's a scorer and obviously he's shown that in the league, but I'm not sure that at least there's a consensus on quickly being a point guard of the future. And so what does that mean for him? I'm sure he's still going to get playing, excuse me, plenty of playing time, but it kind of changes maybe the trajectory for him here. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I would expect uh, Derek Rose to be back and healthy um, for the Knicks next season. But one thing that I'm interested in is, does this turn into a sign-and-trade situation for the Knicks and the Mavs? Do the, do the Mavs need to create a trade exception in order to go after another player, like Malcolm Brogdon or Kyrie Irving, something like that. And so I wonder if Dallas goes ahead and asks the Knicks to to try to do a sign of trade so they can get that. Maybe the Knicks, in order to uh, have the deal sweetened for them, can include a player. Uh, So that's something I think that could be on the table. Another thing that's on the table is, you know, Mark Cuban, how how angry will he be about this whole thing and how it went down? And will he be – you know, aggressive in, in pursuing, you know, punitive action against the Knicks, asking the league to investigate. I think that's something to keep an eye on too, but in terms of, of the guards yeah, quickly is, is a situation that I'm keeping an eye on.
2: Yeah. It is interesting. You know how, you know, Brunson's camp leaked out yesterday. Yeah. He's meeting with the Miami heat. And then of course, today, we found out the Miami heat had no meeting and Dallas never even had a chance to receive an offer. So I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Mark Cuban and the NBA is going to be investigating whether any type of tampering was going on, but in my perhaps,
4: opinion, perhaps Mark Cuban should have offered Jalen Brunson, the four year, $55 million <laughs> extension before fact. the trade deadline. Like he had a chance to, and they decided not to, I wonder how they're feeling about that decision right now.
2: Probably not feeling great whatsoever, but we're not worried about the Mavericks right now. We're talking about the Knicks and how this elevates the team. So CP, How much does Jalen improve this squad, and more specifically, how does he fit in, you know, with the various top players like RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, and other guys?
1: Yeah, I I think he'll fit in on on the offense um, quite well as a guy. As I said, that can play off of those guys. You know, he he showed that by playing with Luka Doncic, a guy who was the Mavs offense for a good chunk of their two years playing together. So um, I I think Brunson will fit in well. And as I said, as a guy who you know you dump it down to him late in the shot clock, a guy who can create his own shot. Which is also very important in this offense. I think he'll do fine there. Um, the one area where you know I question how effective he will be is is the the offense balanced enough in terms of the spacing to give him enough space to enough room to operate. You know that Dallas lineup was very small at times. Sometimes they would run with Maxi Kleber at the five. They had Dwight Powell going at the five. Jason Kidd's offense uh, a lot of times was was running a, a five-out type of system, heavy ball screen. So. I do wonder if Brunson will have that same type of effectiveness here as, you know, we would assume that Mitchell Robinson is going to be brought back here and be in the five. And then you also have Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, who also need a lot of room. So I do think he will will help a bit offensively. Uh, He'll get them out in transition a lot quicker. He'll help us in the half court. We're very much a a stuck-in-the-mud half court team. I think he'll help us there as well. And, you know, defensively, we'll have to see. You know, he is a bit on the short side. His on-ball defense hasn't been uh, notable since he's been there in Dallas. So we lose positional flexibility there at the point guard position. So it's going to be interesting to see how Tom Thibodeau devises his defensive scheme from a team defense standpoint to make sure that a guy like a Brunson uh, doesn't get exposed on mismatches and things of that nature.
2: Yeah. Very great points right there, CP. And Ian, we're going to get back to Brunson in a second, but uh, I heard you have some more breaking news. What can you tell us?
3: Yeah. Isaiah Hartenstein from the Clippers, he is in agreement with the Knicks on a deal. Sources confirm the Athletic had that first. but We reported earlier today that the Knicks were going to be aggressive and going after Hartenstein, and and that's what happened. And I think, you know, barring something unforeseen here, Hartenstein will back up. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, uh, and obviously you have Jericho Sims, and you have Taj Gibson. Uh, I think with Gibson, uh, I would expect the Knicks to waive him initially. To create some more cap space as they see what else they can get done in free agency and then uh, maybe bring him back later on in the offseason. But you know, with Hartenstein and with Sims, you have depth back there, uh, assuming Mitchell Robinson is back, and I assume he will be. You know, Robinson has somewhat of an injury history. And so it gives you protection with Hartenstein now on board. And Hartenstein has shown that he could shoot it a little bit. And I know that, you know, the members of the Nick coaching staff for a long time have been kind of eyeing and hoping for a big that could space the floor a little bit more. And Hartenstein, you know, in theory can give them that. So I'm sure the coaches are happy about that. I was told that uh, Tom Thibodeau was a big Hartenstein fan. So, you know, this is a a good addition for the Knicks two-year deal. And so they'll have their backup big and they should have their starting center back uh, here at some point soon once the Knicks and Mitch Robinson agree to those terms.
2: Yeah, just a little backstory on Hardenstein. He averaged about 18 minutes a game with the Clippers last season. Shot 62% from the floor, averaging eight points a game, pretty much averaged five rebounds, over a block per game. So what's your instant reaction, uh, Jonathan, to Hardenstein coming to the Knicks on a two-year deal? I
4: I love the move. Uh, Hardenstein's the guy I wrote about a little earlier in the offseason as the type of guy who another team always signs in free agency. And you're like, man, why can't for once – the Knicks get a guy like that, a guy who's not flashy. There's nothing flashy about Hardenstein's game. Um, I know the three-point percentage is nice. He doesn't shoot a lot from there. I, I wouldn't define him, and shout out to uh, you know my colleague Benji Ritholt who, who pointed this out. He, I wouldn't define him as a stretch five just yet. I think the more exciting part of Hardenstein is he's just a very different type of center than Mitchell Robinson in that he could make a, a few plays for you out there. Um, obviously, if you play for the Clippers, you have to be able to uh, ex- execute a, sh- a switching scheme on defense, which is that something that maybe we're gonna see a little more from uh Tom Thibodeau. It's not something he's historically done, especially with his fives. So I like that. I I just to me, I like the outside the box thinking. I'm sure it's a move that's gonna have uh critiques. They just unloaded Nerlands Noel, who's making about the same as Hardenstein's gonna get. But to me, this is the sort of player that I wanna see on my basketball team. He's gonna make them better. That much I, I think we can we could be sure of.
2: Yeah. And that's what everybody wants. You know, they want the Knicks to, to elevate and add players who are going to help complement the players currently on the roster. And the second round pick of Germany out of Germany uh, with the Rockets um, has a lot of potential. Right. Uh, CP, do you agree with Jonathan? Are you a fan of this move or are you kind of like, oh, yeah, this is cool, but, you know, it's not moving the needle.
1: No, 1,000%. I actually spoke about him just last night as, as a guy that I would target. Um, again, as Jonathan said, not exactly a stretch five, but a guy that can shoot it. You know, from the mid-range, he, he, was, he was quite efficient from the mid-range. A guy that can have some passing ability as well, give you some rim protection. So a guy that's going to get on the stat sheet covering a, a couple of areas. And I think that's something that I was looking for for the Knicks as either, as, as either a backup five or even a third string. So I think that's a good move. You know, you have to pencil in a couple of games for Mitchell Robinson due to injury. You know, his durability just has been an issue over the past couple of couple of years. So I think a kid like a, a Hartenstein has some upside. Again, is, is going to be you know across the box score for you. I think that's a good pickup, solid pickup. So you know, we address the point guard, we address the backup five, someone who could space it a little bit. I'd like to see us get out there and and you know address some some wing depth, and then you know I, I think that's a. Uh, a fairly reasonable offseason based on who's available.
2: Yeah, and free agency just beginning, so I'm sure the Knicks are not going to stop uh, with just Hardenstein and Jalen Brunson. Um, Jonathan, what going back to Jalen, uh, what's the key for him really to continue that progression as a point guard in this league to really make sure he doesn't take steps back when he's with the Knicks and he just elevates his game?
4: I think for him to elevate his game, it's not about him change. I Well, let me rephrase that. Could he use uh, a little bit to be a little bit more comfortable on spot ups? We saw him in the uh, in the playoffs hesitate a few times when he got the kick out. He prefers to operate inside the yard. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, You know, only uh, I want to say maybe a half a, a pull up three per game last year. So he's not big with the pull ups. That's again something that hopefully he'll progress and get better at. Can't hurt. But to me, the reason they got Jalen Brunson is this is exactly what Tom Thibodeau wants for a point guard. Tom Thibodeau, over the last two years since he's been the Knicks head coach, I wrote about this for the Knicks Film School newsletter. They've run more pick and rolls in terms of frequency of of possessions than anybody in the league except the Hawks and the Jazz. And those two teams, that's all they do. Um, This is what he wants. And he hasn't had the bell cow here. We've seen him have the bell cow in Derrick Rose. He got to Minnesota. He didn't have Belkow. He turned Andrew Wiggins into one. He had Andrew Wiggins running 600-some-odd pick-and-rolls. This is what Tom Timberto wants to do. And lo and behold, Jalen Brunson, the last two years, he's a 90th percentile or above as the pick-and-roll ball handler. So for me, it's not as much about what Jalen Brunson needs to do to continue growing. It's how did the Knicks provide him with a roster that is going to exploit his straights. And I hate to go back to, um, you know, it's probably a drinking game with anybody who watches me at any point uh, by now, mentioning Julius Randle and how we may be- Need to find a new home for him eventually. But, like, it would be great to get some more spacing at that position. It would be great to get someone who offers some more value when they don't have the ball at that position. Uh, they might have someone like that already on the team. Uh, but, of course, uh, we'll see if Obi Toppin gets more more playing time say, this year.
2: Yeah, it's Obi right there, uh, right? Uh, Needs some more love. But Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film, Pool, Film School, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to have your perspective. Uh, you're going to dip, though, because you're a busy man working hard. Uh, <laughs> So I appreciate you, all love. Uh, best of luck to you uh, with all your future endeavors as you continue to do great work. Um, Thank you, my so friends. Peace out, my brother. Now, let's welcome in Dan Grassa to the show. And he does plenty for S&Y, but also spends some time on Knicks pre- and post-game for ESPN Radio. Dan, we'll get to Isaiah Hardenstein's uh, two-year deal in a bit. But the biggest news for the Knicks, at least, is Jalen Brunson and his signing. What's your overall reaction to that? You hear me, Dan? Oh, I got you now, Chris. I'm sorry.
5: Okay. I didn't know you were talking to me. What's going oh, okay, on, guys?
2: Yeah. <laughs> what's up, brother? So, yeah, what's your overall reaction uh, to this long-awaited, probably the worst open-kept secret um, in, in the NBA, free agency-wise? Uh, yeah, what's were your reaction? Well, I think they had to get it done. First and foremost, right, that was the most important thing because
5: with all of the news and all the leaks and all the rumors that have been circulating the last few days, and I I, I even put it out, I think, on Twitter a couple of days ago, to me, given where this franchise is right now and the perception, I think, that surrounds it, what would have been worse than maybe even this player not even fully realizing his potential and maybe thinking you overpaid, what would have been worse is if the Knicks were made to look like they had egg on their face again and they didn't get the player. Because unfortunately, this perception is out there that the Knicks can't attract free agents. We know what happened in 2019. You want to go all the way back to 2010 when the big guys didn't even want to meet with the Knicks and so on and so forth. The fact that this was as close to a done deal as we all presumed it to be, it would have been catastrophic if they didn't get him. So now we can put that aside at least. You know, do we think that there's enough of a sample size for Jalen Brunson? I would still have liked to see more, to be quite honest with you. It's still really one good season and a great playoff run. But now he's going to have to come in and produce. He is going to have to lift this basketball team. Can he do it by himself? Of course not. Um, RJ Barrett's going to have to continue on this path that we saw last year. It would be great if we get at least a middle ground version of Julius Randle from the one we saw the last two seasons combined. Maybe not an all-NBA player from two years ago, but maybe somewhere – in the middle, certainly better than he was last year. And then there's still work to do for Leon Rose and company. This can't be the finished
2: product. This is just
5: the first piece of what you hope are more to come later this summer.
2: Yeah, if you're, you're a sound and intelligent uh, individual, you know, and Ian's reported on this and other people, Jalen will never be the franchise savior. That's just not realistic for what he is, even with if, if he's not, even if he hasn't already tapped into all of his potential. That's just not the player that he is, uh, but it's no disrespect to him. Everybody's not equal in the NBA. It uh, doesn't mean you can't produce, though. But once again, the Knicks agreeing to a four year deal with Jalen Brunson and a two year deal with Isaiah Hardenstein. Both deals confirmed by our SNY NBA insider here on the putback with Ian Begley. So that's Ian. I'm Chris Williamson. Also, also have CP of Knicks Fan TV and Dan Gross of S Y and ESPN Radio. And we already have some comments coming in. Ian uh, this virtual ask. Utah Jazz clearing a lot of roster space. Could this be a precursor to a Donovan Mitchell trade, maybe?
3: I mean, listen, I'm not going to rule anything out, but I think one thing with the Jazz that that I thought was interesting, too, was, you know, Royce O'Neal close with Donovan Mitchell, not, not there anymore. Eric Pascal close with Donovan Mitchell, not there anymore. I'm not suggesting that something is afoot here, but, you know, I think that with Donovan Mitchell and the Jazz, you know, there's been a history here of of kind of unsettled waters. I think the Jazz had been taking calls on uh, Rudy Gobert, and so I think it depends on what happens with the Gobert situation. I, I would assume that Donovan Mitchell, you know, gives it a shot here with with Utah, continues to give it a shot here with Utah, depending on what they do this off season and with their new head coach. But you know, if things continue to be rocky, I think that's one of the reasons why the Knicks continue to stockpile picks, right, to be in position to make an aggressive offer in those situations. Now, you would look at uh, DeJounte Murray, that deal, and wonder why they didn't make the aggressive offer there. I I wonder the same thing. I know that they were in on him, but maybe the unprotected picks that Atlanta gave was something New York was not willing to match. But with Donovan Mitchell, again, plenty of connections there. I know that, uh, you know, the Knicks, people with the organization, I should say, still... Through the day that uh, they, they passed on Donovan in the draft, there was a lot of people that were really excited about Donovan after his workout with the Knicks, which is the final one before that draft pick. And ultimately, obviously, they decided to go elsewhere. So a lot of people would love to have him back. But that, to me, the big hurdle to clear many steps to get past before you even get in position to make an offer to Utah for Donovan Mitchell.
2: Yeah, but it would be nice to see him on the, um, on the squad, on the Knicks, because people have been dreaming about it. For years, right, and you just feel like, okay, is it going to happen one day or not? Because if it isn't, then let's let's stop talking about it. But going back to to Brunson, uh, CP Marcus Miller is asking you: Do you guys think that Brunson will hold enough weight to really demand the ball uh, from Jules this season?
1: Well, if that, that's on Julius Randle. you know he they've got to establish that trust, and so you know that that's really up to Julius. I think it's imperative. Julius has been here for this; he's going into his fourth year now. It's imperative that we have a guy that can get him in his spots and get him easier looks. We've got to save Julius from himself. This is how you prevent him from becoming the turnover machine, the guy who doesn't make good decisions, and get him a guy that can get some shots and rhythm because once he gets going on the offensive end, then his defense and his effort will pick up uh, on the other side of the ball. So I think it's on him to to trust Jalen Brunson, you know, as the point guard, as the floor general of his team. R.J. Barrett is also going to factor into to have a huge role in this offense as well. So the three of those guys, it's, 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 it's their big three right now. They got to make it work and, and build some chemistry early.
2: Yeah, early is, is key because clearly the pressure is on, not to you know, win a championship, but the pressure is on for them to get back into the postseason. And Brunson last year uh, played 79 games, 61 starts in total, uh, about 16 points per game, shot over 50% from the floor. So you'd like to see that and average almost five assists game, So he can, you know, facilitate and be a little bit of a playmaker. Dan, I want to know from you, though, where do you think he fits in, Brunson? that is, into that Randall Barrett hierarchy on the Knicks?
1: Salute to Knicks Nation, CP the franchise here. And we can all relate to these issues. We're busy. We work a lot. We have to take care of our kids. We have to watch the Knicks game. Sometimes we just don't have time to make a balanced meal. But with Factor, you can take care of all of that. Factor makes it easy for me to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves me time by delivering chef-crafted meals to my doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep, not to mention cleanup, no dishes to wash. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with more than 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Factor even knows my preferences. They offer vegan plus veggie meals, keto meals, low-calorie options, cold-pressed juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, veggie sides, and more to keep me fueled and focused all day long. So what I want you to do is head to go.factor75.com slash Nickstv120 and use code Nickstv120 to get $120 off. That's the code, Nickstv120 at go.factor75.com slash Nickstv120 for $120 off.
5: Well, I I think, believe it or not, Randall's the X factor in in a way. Because think about how the perception is going to change of this team if you're getting, like I said a little while ago, a Julius Randle, which is more close to the guy we saw a couple of seasons ago instead of the guy last year who CP said, you know, sulking, moody, looked disinterested at times, you know, looked like he wanted to be anywhere but the basketball court. And I think that fans in this city certainly could pick up on that. And I think that certainly had a reflection on the team a little bit to the point where we wondered if he was even going to be back, right? I mean, fans were pretty much done with him. And it's amazing to go from one season to the next, like just that sharp and stark contrast from where he was and fans chanting MVP to now last year, it was, oh, let's get let's get this guy out of town. So I think he's a big X factor here. If you're going to get a productive Julius Randle, then hey, you know what? This is a big three that maybe you can make some moves with here. This is a team that, you know, should contend for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. Maybe we set our sets, our sights a little bit too high a couple of years ago, right, when they finished fourth and home court advantage in the first round. And maybe that was a little bit of an outlier. I think that they weren't ready for that just yet, and then they had that comeback to the pack last year here. But, you know, you saw the move that Atlanta made yesterday, Chris, right, in getting DeJounte Murray, him and Trey Young, whether it's a fit or not in the backcourt, it's going to be fun to watch. But Atlanta's a good basketball team. You're going to have other teams, of course, in the East that are continuing to get better. But at the very least, if you're giving Jalen Brunson $110 million and essentially proclaiming him as one of the new saviors of this franchise, I think that playoffs should be a realistic goal for this upcoming season with
2: those three guys at the helm. Yeah, but I wouldn't say you're saying you you think he's one of the saviors. No, he's a piece of, you know what I'm saying? Like he's not.
5: He's not, I mean, we're not bringing in like Kevin Durant, for example, yeah. or something like that. That's a savior. This is a piece. But if you have Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, Julius Randall, all productive as your big three leading your team, that is good enough to be a playoff team in my opinion.
2: Yeah, it should be. And I think it was a great point that you made. Julius Randall is the X factor. How he plays is really going to dictate, you know, how RJ and Jalen flourish or, or don't flourish. Um, but when we look at what's next, Ian, Corey Amatuzo is asking about the grand plan and considering the current roster and remaining cap space, what can the Knicks do next in your eyes?
3: Well, to me right now, the math says that if they have any cap space left after the Hardenstein deal and after the Brunson deal, it's not much. So if they want to do something with cap space, they would have to Unload either Evan Fournier or you could trade Cam Reddish, and uh, as I said earlier, that they had been talking to teams, and when Cam Reddish's name had come up, they were looking for a first-round pick. So it's it's not like they were looking to get off of Cam Reddish, and there are certainly people in the organization that would like to see Cam Reddish get minutes and be a part of the rotation next year. And with Fournier, you know, I, I know that some of them, some people internally are concerned about the Fournier Brunson. Defensive backcourt, right? And so I wonder if maybe Fournier comes off the bench, or if they continue to look for a home for him, and and that kind of plays into the signing trade with the Mavs. But you know, nonetheless, that with cap space, they could be pretty much out of space now. They'll have an exception, but unless they move off more salary, I don't believe they have significant cap space left after these two signings. And that's important too,
5: right? It's important because of the sense that you know you think about Jalen Brunson and was he was going at his best in Dallas. He had three, sometimes four other dudes on the court who could space the floor and shoot the three. Knicks don't have an abundance of those guys right now. And oh, by the way, they said goodbye to one of them already in Alec Burks, who I think was very good for this team. And the fact that he was selfless, he played out of position half the time. You know, he's not a natural point guard, but that's what the team needed him to do. That's what he did last year. So you're missing one of those guys already. That's going to be, I think, one of the next tasks for this front office Get some floor spacers, some guys who could light it up from downtown. That'll make Jalen Brunson and others' jobs a lot easier trying to execute this offense. Yeah, no, no doubt about
1: that. Yeah, yeah, I agree with uh, with Dan's uh, sentiments. Definitely need we need a lot of floor spacers there to uh, to help Jalen Brunson uh, accentuate on his strengths. But I think the problem with Fournier is, yes, on a positive side, he's the best shooter on the team right now, yeah. and you know, uh, damn near forty percent from three on on seven attempts and a healthy dosage, and broke the Knicks uh a single season three-point record so all those th- things were good but uh I think the two knocks on his game is number one yes his defense and and you put him out there with the Jalen Brunson and R.J. Barrett's defense I think took a bit of a step back last year as well we need wing defense wing depth and and positional versatility and with those three guys you don't really have that and another thing with with Fournier is that I'd like to see the Knicks you know Ian just mentioned Cam Reddish I'd like to see the Knicks Focus on their younger players, that that back half of, of that core, Cam Reddish, Quinton Grimes. You know those guys that can really get out there and get after it on the defensive end, and, and ultimately help the Knicks' offense. Those guys need to have bigger roles next year. Cam Reddish needs to be evaluated. You know, are they going to pay him after his rookie deal is up? How much would they pay him? Is he a, is he a more marketable trade asset by the trade deadline if he's getting you know more playing time? And so I think that has to come at the expense of Evan Fournier's minutes. So it's up to Tom Thibodeau to really find that offense defense balance. And at the same time, get a good look, a longer look at some of the young talent
2: that they have on this team. And if he can't play defense,
5: he can't play for Tibbs.
2: (laughs) Simple as that, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, he did it for a year, you know, Evan did. So we'll, we'll see how it goes this year, unless they decide to, you know, shake off his salary and uh, move him elsewhere. But as far as guys, Ian, that fans are really familiar with, uh, what is the latest on Mitchell Robinson and R.J. Barrett and their potential timelines for their new contracts?
3: Well, with Mitchell Robinson, uh, my expectation was the Knicks would make their moves with, cap sp- with their cap space, and then uh, once they finished using the cap space, they would re-sign Robinson because he, they can exceed the cap with him because they have his bird rights, and I, I haven't heard anything – uh, as of lately at least, uh, that they were anything but confident that he was going to be back. I think that's been part of the plan for the last couple of days here. So I would assume that happens, barring you know something unforeseen in the 11th hour. And then you're talking about R.J. Barrett. He'll be extension eligible until uh, I believe it's mid-October. So I would assume that the Knicks and Barrett will talk and, and see if they can find common ground. I was told uh, earlier today that, you know, both sides are optimistic, and the Knicks in particular feel like they can find common ground with Barrett. And Barrett's side, too, is pretty optimistic that they'll be able to get something done. That said, negotiations are negotiations. I'm sure each side is going to have competing interests, but I think it's probably in the Knicks' best interest to either get something done with Barrett or leave the negotiations with an understanding that he's going to be taken care of the following summer. Because to me, regardless of what his ceiling is going to be, Uh, He's a very good player who's going to help you win basketball games. I think he fits this market well. So I think it would behoove the Knicks uh, to get business done there with Barrett.
2: Yeah. He's also wise beyond his years, right? Like he doesn't act or play like a, a kid who just came out of college, you know, a couple of years ago or so Uh, his leadership skills are very impressive to me to say the least. Now, after we're done here though, y'all, there'll be plenty more coverage throughout our SNY platforms. First on SNY.TV, complete reaction from Ian and others to the move. Also tonight at 11, Geico Sports Night will feature tons of reactions to the signing. So be sure to lock in to SNY and SNY.TV tonight. They'll talk Brunson and of course, they'll talk about Kevin Durant. So speaking of KD, Ian, what can you tell us about the Kevin Durant situation? And is there any chance this man would be traded from Brooklyn to Manhattan?
3: I never say never, but I I would say Unlikely, very unlikely at the moment. Uh, I know that the Knicks, along with you know, 28 other teams, have talked about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and, and them being available and, and kind of bandied the names about. But I just can't see Nets GM Sean Marks sending Kevin Durant to the Knicks just because of the uh, rivalry and the proximity and the idea that you're kind of competing uh, for fans in the metropolitan area. I can't see it happening. So I would almost cross it off the list, never say never, but I'd be surprised if that happened. And with the Nets, obviously, you're looking for a monster return uh, for a trade of Kevin Durant and I would assume uh, Kyrie Irving as well. So, you know, you wonder what maybe the Lakers are willing to part with to get Kyrie Irving. I think that is, you know, both sides have mutual interest there. And so with Durant too, he gave the Nets a list. I wonder if the Nets will acquiesce to what Durant wants with those teams, or will they just go out and look for the best offer? I would assume that they're going to go out and look for the the best offer and, and try to do what's best for the franchise. But it'll see it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the coming days. With that being said, you know I, I wonder about how this is going to look going forward uh, with Sean Marks in general, because I think you know, Joe Tsai has has backed him throughout here, and he's had his management's back. So. I would assume that he's on board with this, but it's—it is just a disaster the way this thing has played out with the Nets. You think about where we were three years ago to the day with Irving and Durant signing, and now here we are three years later, and it's over. It's just—it's wild to think about.
2: It is very bizarre. Uh, probably one of the biggest failures um, in franchise history from from a team perspective, right? Because they had Harden, they had Kyrie, they had KD. They looked unstoppable a couple years ago, you know, against Milwaukee, and then obviously the injuries it in this year, vaccine, just a catastrophic uh, way for them to depart from Brooklyn. But you brought 16 up- 16 games, 16 that's games. That's it, bro. That's it. So let me ask you this, Dan. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, did the Knicks dodge a bullet here, or is it more complicated and has more so to do with the individuals than the franchise's choices?
5: In terms of the fact that the
2: Knicks didn't get those two guys, and instead right. they went right. to Brooklyn?
5: Yep. I, absolutely they did, sure. Because I still think, like, To me, Kyrie was the ringleader of this whole thing. You know, if Kyrie didn't go MIA as often as he did over the last few years and miss all these games for various reasons, I don't believe that Kevin Durant's perception of the franchise changes. I, I really and truly don't. And I'll tell you what, I don't even think necessarily Sean Marks and company are gearing up like they did last year and trading for James Harden or a couple of years ago for James Harden. Like, if you have Kyrie playing, KD playing, everybody's healthy, everybody's on the same page, committed to basketball, I think then you keep those depth pieces, the young players that they had here, the Leverts, the Jared Allens, continuing to grow from within. I don't think they pushed their chips in like they did to go get Harden. And that, to me, was what was the real the first sign was to break this thing apart. Because Harden obviously wanted no part of it. You couldn't right. trust him. And on top of it with Kyrie, who hasn't been reliable over the last two years. And a guy who, in my opinion, and I've said this, I don't think basketball is his number one priority. And that's going to be a cautionary tale for the next team that he goes to. Basketball is not number one on his list. And so good luck trying to win with that guy as one of your central players. I don't think the outcome would have been any differently, Chris, to answer your question, if they chose Madison Square Garden instead of the Barclays Center.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: You
2: agree with that, CP?
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. And and as Ian mentioned, this is the three year anniversary of when they ditched the Knicks to go over the bridge in Brooklyn. And I was sitting in the, in this exact seat uh, doing my show, and and you know, uh, not not knowing what my future would hold because I, I thought that these guys would have changed the fortunes of this franchise, and and uh, it, it just wasn't meant to be. But to see where we are right now, it's incredible. And as Dan said, I do believe Kyrie is the ringleader. I mean, just think about. What Sean Marks and Joe and Josiah did, they moved heaven and earth for these guys. They got rid of Atkinson. They brought in Nash. They got rid of a young piece. Look at what Jared Allen did this year with the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Karis LeVert. All of the picks and the pick swaps, the Houston Rockets just yep. won the lottery again and again and again <laughs> and again. So, I mean, look at what the, you know, the James Harden trade, Harden's gone. They bring in Simmons. You don't even know if he's committed to playing basketball. So this whole thing is a mess. And to think that, the two home run swings that the that the Nets took to build a super team, whether it's Kevin Durant, uh, Paul Pierce, to bring yeah. in the Aaron Williams, and now the KD Kyrie, and to see this whole thing blow up like this, it's unprecedented. And so it, it makes me wonder how will the league and the owners react to this? Because you always see in in the CBA where you know wh- where one side gets too much power over the other, the other side kind of comes back and kind of tries to level the playing field. How will the owners respond to this? Uh, I think that that's worth watching as, as they get closer uh, to a new agreement.
5: Yeah. You know what I hope, how they respond? And that's a great point CP makes. I hope that the rest of the league, in terms of executives, like if you're, if you're somebody sitting in Sean Marks' seat and had to experience what he experienced and you're on another team, you're probably saying to yourself, thank God that's not my team. Thank goodness we would enough to go with that. So I hope that maybe this does kind of cool down this whole super team, big three concept, because you're playing with fire. Very yeah. rarely does it work out to where everything is going to go perfect and you're going to be hoisting that trophy and the confetti is going to come flying down. You can have cautionary tales like this and where more often than not, it's not going to work out. Maybe not implode to the extent that Brooklyn did, but you're playing with fire every single time you hit your ride to, let's say, two or three dudes and let them basically run your franchise.
2: Yeah. No, and it's not to say that, you know, play other players on teams that won championships don't, you know, have some level control they they all do but it's like these personalities that came together in the Kyrie situation it just wasn't a good mix and things like just reached a breaking point I was like look I'm I'm out of here um uh, so what I do think is funny is how the state of the Nets team is really in in bad shape right now we'll see what they get back for KD and obviously they'll probably move Kyrie but for the Knicks uh, I think it's much better than the Nets so Ian seeing what the Knicks have done this off season as well as last off season. How do you feel about the Knicks front office and their process as of late? Yeah, it
3: hasn't been a straightforward process. I would say that. And I I would say that whatever, however you want to describe the process to this point, we're at the point where there's, there's, again, there's very little ways to wiggle out of this commitment here and the way it's gone, the way we've gotten to this point. So you know this. This needs to work. You know the Knicks need to win some games with this group, whatever that ends up being. Uh, Jalen Brunson uh, running the show as point guard, and and however they reshape the roster. The bottom line is, you know, I think that if the Knicks go out and they have the same kind of inconsistent season, up and down season, and ultimately disappointing season this coming year that they had last year, uh, there's going to be impatience uh, at the Garden. And, you know, I think in the upper levels of the organization because of how we got here and how it hadn't been a a straight line process. But listen, let's not be pessimistic. Let's see how this thing works out. Let's see if Brunson can kind of elevate everything and, and help these guys win a few more games and, you know, compete. Get in the playing tournament, get in, get in one of those final Eastern Conference playoff spots. I think that would be uh, an, an improvement. And I think that would put
2: everybody uh, at ease in terms of the fan base and management over there um, next season. Right. But nobody wants to be looking or nobody wants to be watching the playoffs from home. So at least you get back to where you were you know, a couple of seasons ago, even if it isn't you know, that fourth seed. Uh, so, CP, I'll ask you how would you grade the job that Leon Rose has done so far?
1: Uh, incomplete, as as they would say in school, you know, incomplete. He, he was brought in here uh, to really bring in the star player and, and ultimately change the fortunes of this franchise. Hasn't happened yet. Hasn't mortgaged the future to do so either. So I, I think it, it's right in the middle. It, it's incomplete. I think he still has a lot of work to do. You know, all the stockpiling of the picks. Yeah. Even though Brunson is here and he's a smaller guard, I gotta think they're <laughs> still waiting on Donovan Mitchell, and it may not happen this year. Maybe it's next offseason where you know, Donovan Mitchell, he's always here in the offseason. And maybe he meets with, with Ryan Smith and D-Wade and says, look, I, I gave you guys all I could. Please trade me to, to the New York Knicks. I want to go home. I'm a Mets fan. I want to be there. I think maybe it, it's next offseason. So that's what Leon Rose was here to do. Um, you know, if, if they do improve and make the playoffs, it would certainly be a good story. But I, I also don't want to be in a position where we were in this past draft, where you're looking at the number 11 pick. And maybe they looked at it where, you know, we don't have a game changer or, or someone who's really gonna change things for us. So let's punt. I'd like to see them at the top end of the lottery because those are where those guys usually reside. And I think it's time to really get that guy. So I'm okay with the approach that they're taking in, in this free agency get your point guard, get the backup big, and keep it lean. You know, for, work on the young guys, worry about the young guys there and their player development, and let the chips fall where they may. If they make it good, if they don't make it, I think it's better for the future of this franchise.
2: Yeah, and you also have to consider or, you know, emphasize the player development CP early on in the season, right? You know, Tibbs did that later on, but I think if he did that earlier in the season, you may have had some better results where they don't always feel like they have a short leash. But Dan, how do you feel, you know, looking ahead to the future, how do you feel the Knicks are set up uh, to potentially acquire a superstar win that lines up, whether that's, you know, a Donovan Mitchell or somebody else who's disgruntled. They're set up well,
5: right? It's almost like having the, uh, the draft picks, like we talk about in any sport. Like draft picks are great, but what yeah. are draft picks? Like draft picks aren't like tangible things that we could touch out of the thin air. It's nice to have them, but you better hit home runs when you use them. And when I say use them, If it's draft night, making a pick, or if you use them as trade chips and you go and package that to go get yourself an established star, which you think is ultimately going to set you on a different course for your program, I'm all for that. Now, it was a two-part process, right, this summer. And in the last couple of weeks, they traded a bunch of chips to get cap space. They had to clear out a bunch of space to be able to get at least the one target in Brunson. They accomplished that. They still have all these draft choices. What is it? They've got 11 first round picks in the next seven years. Okay. Those are chips. If you identify a target you think you can get, boom, you use them. So I have no problem with that, but it's far from a finished process. I think we can all agree on that. The question is how complete is it going to be by opening night in October, November, whenever the season starts, that's still TBD. And I think the next few weeks are going to tell us a little bit more, but I think if you're a Knicks fan, you have to be a little bit realistic about what the expectations should be this year. Improvement from last year, a competitive team, playoff caliber team. Now, look, we see teams that are really good that win upwards of, let's say, 45 games and sometimes are on the outside looking in for the playoffs. Like back in the West, like there'd be like seven, eight seeds with good records and they miss the playoffs because the competition is that fierce or whatnot. You need to see a better brand of basketball than you saw last season at the Garden. And you know that the owner wants to see that, or else he wouldn't have okayed $110 million to bring Jalen Brunson over here.
2: Yeah, very well said. And once again, a four-year deal for point guard Jalen Brunson, born in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the Villanova product, plus a two-year deal for Isaiah Hardenstein, the big man who spent last year with the Clippers. Uh, And tomorrow at noon is another edition of the Putback with Ian Begley, free agency live. Ian and I will be joined by CP, the franchise of Knicks Fan TV, plus Ashley Nicole Moss, But it's great work for us and SI. That's tomorrow at noon on SNY's Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter pages. And we asked everyone watching on YouTube in a poll, how would you grade the Jalen Brunson signing? B was the most popular with 49% of the votes. 37% of viewers gave it an A. All right, so let's just go around the horn. Um, And, Dan, I'll start with you. What would turn this from a B into an A for the Knicks? If you see the Jalen Brunson that we saw in the
5: playoffs last year for the Dallas Mavericks, as simple as that. Right. And, um, you know, he's not going to have a Luka Doncic next to him. He's going to be more of someone that's expected to kind of lead the charge, run the show. But if you get similar production, no Knicks fan is going to be complaining at all. Like maybe you heard leading up to this signing over the last week, that would be something that would certainly bump it up here. But uh, I think the jury is still out. Certainly. I'll say that he's not going to be someone Chris and guys, that I think is gonna fall victim to the pressure of playing in New York. He's from the area, he knows what goes into it. His father's on staff, his agent is Leon Rose's son. There's enough connections and enough pieces in place to where this should feel like a comfort zone for him. And that's why I think that I'm a little bit more
2: optimistic it could work out. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because he has that support right next to him. You know, it's not far away. CP, what about you? How would you, what would turn this from a B into an A?
1: If you led him to the playoffs, and as Dan said, uh, via the production that he displayed this year, career high, 16 and four, you know, monster playoff appearances, beating the Jazz two games uh, without Luka Doncic, uh, 41 points in game one, 40, uh, 31 points in game two, uh, just being a guy that, you know, the team could put on their back. He's not going to necessarily have to do that here, but if he can show that production and really prove that he is a starting caliber point guard in this league, uh, lead them to the playoffs or close to it. I think that'll certainly be an A grade. And and as Dan said, I think he's built for it. When you look at the infrastructure that they do have around him here, uh, him going to Nova, playing on the J right and, and winning a championship, being the floor general for that team, he has poise. And I think that's very important when, when you, when you're fielding a team here in New York, mental makeup is almost as important as, as your skills on the court, because if you can't get it together up here, you're not going to be effective uh, uh, dribbling the basketball and shooting the basketball. So, I think that certainly bodes well for him, and as you said, uh, you know, to get to an A, if, if he can get get us close to the playoffs, I, I think uh, that'll be an
2: A grade for sure. All right, now Ian, anything else to look out for in the coming hours and and maybe days that Knicks fans should be should be aware of? Yeah, I would still keep an eye on uh,
3: possible trade um, with Evan Fournier involved. I think that you know is still at least something that's uh, on their radar, on other teams' radars. I don't think uh, anything has been. I don't think the door has been shut there yet, I should say. So keep an eye on that. And then also keep an eye on whether this turns into a, a sign-and-trade between Dallas and the Knicks. And also keep an eye on if this turns into a uh, Mark Cuban-led tampering investigation in the Knicks. I think both of those items are certainly things to uh, to watch for in the coming days here as free agency continues.
2: Yeah, something else to watch for. Uh, Travi Trav is asking you, Ian, yep. like direct quote, who texting you? Tell us what's going on.
3: <laughs> Trav, I can't give up my sources, man. <laughs> I can't give up my sources. Just talking to my guys, uh, other teams, and people around players, and all that fun stuff. It's, it's that time of year.
2: <laughs> my man, always keeping it professional. Yeah, never, that's the rule of thumb, never give up the names of your sources. Uh, but that's going to do it for our breaking news coverage of the Knicks signing Jalen Brunson as well as Isaiah Hardenstein. Remember, we we'll have plenty more reaction from Ian on SNY.TV shortly, plus full coverage on your TV's Geico Sports Night at 11 p.m. Our thanks to Jonathan Macri of Nix Film School, CP of Nick's Fan TV, and Dan Grossa of SNY and ESPN Radio. So for Ian Begley, I'm Chris Williamson. Thanks so much for watching, y'all.
7: Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance.